Welcome back to the Australian Rotary Health podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and on episode 36, I will be having a chat with Professor Sonia March from the University of Southern Queensland. Sonia received a mental health research grant from Australian Rotary Health from 2018 to 2019 for her project called Improving Efficiency of Online Cognitive Behavioural Therapy for Childhood Anxiety through Video Conferencing and Stepped Care. Sonia is a professor of psychology in the School of Psychology and Counseling and the mental health theme lead for the USQ Center for Health Research. Professor March's research focuses on how to improve health outcomes by enhancing the efficiency of health systems and optimizing individual health behaviors to engage with these health systems. Specifically, her research examines innovative, innovative solutions for mental health, such as digital assessments, online interventions, and e-health within the context of child and adolescent anxiety, depression, and general well-being. Sonia also examines the application of such approaches within vulnerable populations, such as regional communities and at-risk cancer populations. So welcome to our podcast today, Sonia. It's great to have you here. How's everything been going for you, especially in Queensland with all the lockdowns at the moment? Yeah, good. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Um, All going well here. Thank you. That's good to hear. Um, Well, I'm very excited to talk to you about your research findings today um, from your Mental Health Research Grant Project, um, which looked at um, online CBT um, intervention for children with anxiety. I know that COVID-19 was very unexpected and, and really disrupted the way that we deliver some psychological interventions. Would you say that your program uh, came at a good time? Yeah, look, our program Brave Online has been around for quite some time now, but the fact that it's freely available to all Australian young people certainly was beneficial during COVID. Um, and overall, we I'd say we saw probably about, about a 30 to 40% increase in our registrations from young people and parents over 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that week, that, that really memorable week that homeschooling started, um, our registration spiked by about 400%. Oh, so wow. there were certainly a lot of young people and parents who were all of a sudden finding those changes that came with lockdown quite difficult to manage. And I know I certainly understand having been one of those parents who had a child at home doing, all of a sudden doing schooling. Um, so, yeah, it certainly has been, I think, helpful for a lot of families. Yeah, well, it is really good that a program like this is available for people, um, yeah, if, you know, something like COVID happens, it's, yeah, it's good that it was already there and set up. Um, I guess, you know, um, could we maybe start today by um, telling telling us a bit about the aims of your mental health research grant project? Sure. So in this mental health research grant project, we were really interested in whether we could enhance the clinical efficiency of our online anxiety program, Brave. So we started out by knowing that our full therapist-assisted model of BRAVE is, is really quite effective. So when we deliver it with minimal therapist assistance, but it's pretty difficult to deliver that across Australia to large numbers of young people, um, just because you know it's difficult to find therapists and it's the cost associated with that. Um, so we also have a, a self-help version. 
And we know that that can reach thousands of young people at any time. But sometimes young people struggle to complete the program and therefore obtain the benefits. So we were really interested in whether we could create a new model of BRAVE that tapped into that reach of self-help, but integrated the features and clinical benefits of therapist assistance where it was needed. So specifically, this project aimed to test a new model, BRAVE Stepped Care, that started young people off with the self-help program uh, where they completed the first five sessions of their own and then stepped them up to receive video conferencing therapist support but only if they needed it. So it tried to save that therapist contact via video conferencing for those who needed it most. And what's really novel about this study as well is that we've never tested our, our online program before or delivered it with video conferencing at all. So that was also quite new for us. And we were really looking forward to seeing how the young people responded to therapist support delivered in that way. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting way of um, delivering the program. Um, I guess what kind of findings came out of this? Like how did people receive this? Well, so we tested, we tested it, um, the, the model through uh, a non-inferiority trial, which is kind of just a fancy way of saying that we were, you know, trying to show that the step care model was not inferior to the therapist-assisted model. And we recruited 137 children and adolescents with an anxiety disorder and randomised them to uh, Brave Step Care or our gold standard uh, Brave Therapist Assisted Program. And in that Therapist Assisted Program, um, participants received the 10 sessions of our online program with 15 minutes of video uh, conferencing support each week. And in the Step Care condition, they first completed five sessions on their own and then we tested their anxiety levels. Uh, if they'd shown a substantial response, then we let them keep going. But if they hadn't, then, or they'd really struggled to engage in the program, then we stepped them up to that video conferencing support. So um, they kept doing the online sessions, but we gave them that extra video conferencing support. And we tested their diagnostic and, and symptom improvement before, treat, um, before treatment to after treatment and six months later. So what we found was quite interesting. So first, we found that of the people who were in the stepped care treatment, 60% of them needed to be stepped up. So there was 60% um, who just hadn't quite responded enough and we thought, you know what, they need a little bit of extra support. So they ended up receiving therapist support. We'd kind of predicted around 50%, so we weren't too far off. Um, and 40% had shown good enough progress on their own and shown enough reduction in their anxiety that they could keep going with the self-help program. So that's really, that's really good. Um, second, young people who uh, received the therapist-assisted program from the beginning, they did complete more sessions than those in the step care condition. So we started noticing from the beginning that, you know, those who received the therapist support right from the beginning, they were more likely to go on and do more sessions and therefore, you know, complete the program. Now, where we looked at the diagnostic outcomes, that's where it got really interesting. So immediately following treatment, when we look at those who, who completed the assessments, about 54% of um, participants in the stepped care condition and 68% of participants in the therapist-assisted condition were free of their primary anxiety diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now, that wasn't statistically different. 
So they're statistically the same, but there is a little bit of a trend there for them to be different. So what this is saying is that between half and two thirds of participants were free of their primary anxiety condition immediately after receiving either step care or therapist-assisted models of break. Mm. That's pretty good. But there's always a but. <laughs> By six month follow-up, we had 88% of participants in our therapist-assisted condition. So those who received it from the beginning 88% were free of their primary anxiety disorder. Now, this was statistically higher than our 66% of, of young people from the step care condition who'd lost their, their primary diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So overall, what our results are showing is that the step care model is producing some really good results. Um, and in fact, they're not too dissimilar to what we saw in our normal therapist-assisted model from our previous trials, uh, where we delivered the therapist assistance via email support. But, so that's really exciting, and, and that's showing that step care is working, but it was a little bit unexpected for us to find that video conferencing had such a high rate of response. Mm -hmm. So, in fact, we've never seen that in any of our previous studies. So we've, we've never sort of gotten higher than about a 78% high um, response rate. So video conferencing seemed to produce a really high rate of response, which is really exciting. And then I think just the final result that was really important to, to point out is whilst we did see some good outcomes with step care, satisfaction with the step care program wasn't quite as high as with the um, full therapist assisted program when we used video conferencing. So it was still acceptable to young people, but satisfaction and adherence was, was definitely a little bit higher in the therapist assisted model. Yeah, that, that's certainly very interesting. And um, I guess, you know, there were those those kind of mixed results. Um, is, do you think that maybe stepped care is something that you would continue with um, for, for, you know, other interventions or, you know, further research on this? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely want to continue looking at it because I think what it shows for us is that um, it definitely has potential. And, and for us, we, we sort of think that, you know, there's never a one size fits all mm. and there's never circumstances under which, you know, you can always provide only one option. Mm. So unfortunately, the way our health system works, you, you just can't pr always provide therapist support to everyone. Mm. And you also can't always provide it at every time point that is possibly needed. So there will always be circumstances under which people are waiting for therapist support and, you know, waiting unnecessarily, I think. And I think that's the time where a step care model could come in very handy. And the evidence is showing that it can be very useful. And, and there's always that weighing up of, is it better to be waiting and getting worse than to be using uh, a model that actually does work quite well and could be doing a lot of good. So I think that, you know, for us, the next steps would be to start looking at um, new models uh, that integrate some of these findings. And, and I'd like to, you know, look at maybe models that step down rather than step up or models that start to integrate the choice of young people and parents. Certainly some of our findings were, even when we wanted to suggest to people that they, they should step up, some young people didn't want to step up and vice versa. So perhaps we need to start researching ways to integrate um, the choice of the clinician and the young person 
uh, into these into these models as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like it. It's a good thing to have. Yeah, different options for different people, and you know, the stepped care model might suit some, and it might not suit others. But um, yeah, like as you said before, you know, having something in the meantime when they don't have that access to to a therapist, that could be really helpful. So yeah, yeah that's great. Um, I guess, um, would you say that these findings might have some real world impacts for children who may be experiencing anxiety? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, our, our program is, is certainly up and running in a self-help format, but I think that, um, you know, there would be potential here for health systems to take these sort of programs that exist and use them now that they have this evidence to use them in step care models now within the within routine care. So I think there's a time and place now to look at these, these findings and integrate them into, into routine care settings. So, you know, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of situations in which current practitioners can't afford um, to, to support their clients on a weekly basis um, or even, yeah, like the wait list that we were talking about just before. And they might now be able to say, hey, perhaps they can use these online programs and I can support them in this way. So I think that these uh, the results of this step care model can, can certainly provide useful um, frameworks and models for, for our routine care settings as well. Yeah. And so you said before that the BRAVE program is already up and running online for people to access. Where might they be able to access? And in terms of the um, stepped care program, is that available now as well? So BRAVE self-help is available. If, if anyone wants to use it, they can simply type into Google or any search browser BRAVE self-help. That's the quickest and easiest way to find it. Uh, the step care model is only available through, through research and, and the pure reason for that is because of the cost associated with, with therapist care. So, you know, we're open to finding partners to help us make that available through routine care settings. Um, but um, certainly, you know, they can access the self-help program at the moment just by searching Brave Self-Help online. Um, and, yeah, we're very open to partners in, in terms of trying to make that available in other ways. Yeah, so that's, yeah, something that you're probably working on at the moment, like in terms of a future direction yeah. for this research. Yeah. Absolutely. Trying to find different ways to um, use the program, integrate health practitioners and, and yeah, let people access it in different ways. Mm, yeah, it definitely sounds, yeah, re really, yeah, like beneficial for people. It sounds like it really reduces some of those anxiety symptoms um, for young people. So, yeah, it sounds like it'd be very, very helpful. Um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as a researcher, um, I, I guess you'd be very familiar with the competitive process of applying for grants so that your research can continue. Um, I guess for our, our Rotary audience, um, who are really the, the heroes behind Australian Rotary Health Funding, can you explain how important funding is, um, particularly in the um, mental health research field? The funding from Australian Rotary Health is so important to us. It's so important to the young people who use our program, uh, our students working on these, these projects and the Australian community. And without it, we just wouldn't be able to build these new treatment programs. We wouldn't be able to show that they work and we wouldn't be able to fight and advocate for them to be included in routine healthcare. And for that, we are just so grateful and, and thankful on behalf of all the consumers as well. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's great to have researchers out there like you who are doing, you know, this very important work as well. So, yeah, um, I think maybe not many people know that, yeah, there is this research that goes behind all of the treatments and, and interventions for mental health. So, yeah, it is very important. Um, I guess would you also say that funding into children's mental health research is maybe an area that requires um, more, more attention than it's already getting? Look, I'm probably a bit biased, but 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you've heard it all before, children are our future, all of that kind of thing. We know that, you know, 50% of adult mental health problems start, you know, before the age of 14. So important that we set children on the right trajectory in life. And to do that, we need to set them up with the right skills to manage any hurdles that they might face and challenges that they might come across. And I think what's really important to acknowledge is that these challenges and hurdles that they're facing are just constantly changing. And funding is so important and always going to be needed to address that. And, you know, even though we might find solutions to one problem, the problems are constantly changing and we're constantly learning new ways to help children overcome these. And so, you know, it isn't, it isn't about finding a magic pill or anything like that. It's about us as researchers, um, you know, working with children to help them become um, stronger and better placed to manage all of those changes as they, as they happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, there's really no one approach for everyone, as you said before. So, yeah, it's good to look at all those different options. Um, yeah. Well, it, it has been really great to talk to you about your research today. And it's obviously, um, yeah, it's really looked at a new way of, hopefully helping people who are unable to kind of access that, um, you know, help with a psychologist. So it's, yeah, it sounds like it's, it's been really good. And um, I guess before we wrap up today, was there anything that you'd like to add? Oh, just thank you again to Australian Rotary Health, all the, all the members and everyone that contributed and donated to funding and also to all the children and families who participated in our study. Okay, well, excellent. Well, thanks again, Sonia. No problems. Thanks for having me. That was the 36th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing, a different, are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Sonia's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.